Oh, Father, we bow before you today to give praise to your holy name because you're always worthy of our praise. And it's not just when we perceive that you're good, that you are good. You're good all the time because you are God. And we thank you for that. We thank you that we have the privilege to know you. You've called us out. You've redeemed us. You've paid for our sins. You've given us the righteousness of Christ. You've given us even your Holy Spirit to indwell us. And we thank you, Lord, for all that that entails that we don't even fully understand. But we thank you for it. And we thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. You love us with the love that you have for your own Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Father, that uh, as we mentioned yesterday during the funeral, that quote from uh, Thomas Minton that said, Only one of God's children, only one of God's sons was sinless, but all of God's children carry a cross. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're not only sinless, but you also suffered. And you teach us how to suffer. You give us the power as we go through suffering. And you also do something that no one else could do. You give hope. And so today, we ask you to heal people who are sick. We ask you to provide for people whatever it is that they may need. They may be lonely and need a friend. They may need a job. Whatever it might be, we thank you that you are the provider for your children. But Lord, we also pray that for everybody, would you please give them hope. Comfort them, strengthen them, bless them, encourage them. But above all, give them hope. Hope that can only come from you. And so Lord, uh, thank you for the opportunity that we had yesterday. What a what a great crowd we had, and so many people got to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our prayer, Lord, is that seeds were planted, that seeds were watered, and then that there will be a harvest. And we pray that you would be glorified through all of this. And help us to remember our trials are never just random. They're never just something that are just spurious. But they always have a purpose. They strengthen us. They help us to grow up and to mature. They help us to learn that you are faithful beyond anything we could ever imagine. They also reveal our heart in areas where we need to confess and forsake sin. And thank you, Father, that they also open up opportunities <coughs> for us to witness for Christ. And so we pray, Lord, that in all things, we, as your people, this church that we might have the opportunity to glorify Christ and touch other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for the word that we had in Sunday school when you said, I am with you. May we hear that and receive that today. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you will take your Bibles this morning, we're back in... 1 Thessalonians, we're going to be in uh, chapter 5 covering a few verses, but I want to back up just a little bit. You don't have to look this up, just listen to it. Back in uh, the first chapter, Paul had written about these people, and here's what he said. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, 
Now listen to this. So that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. <coughs> Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. In other words, everywhere Paul and his companions went, they would talk about the Thessalonians and they had been so vocal about their faith, it spread all over the place. And people said, oh yeah, we've heard about them. We've heard about them. And I think one of the tragedies today is that it's easy in our culture for people to drive by our church and not even notice, not even know that we're gathering today. That they can know that you are different, but they don't really know why. You're just a nice person. You're just a, maybe a better person <coughs> than they are. Raised better, have better parents, a better education, a better background. But they don't really know why it is that you're different. And so this church that was exemplary, Paul tells them what it was that made them like this. You'll notice in there it said they received the word. I think that's bottom line. We either receive the word or we don't. It also said that they were a good influence on other churches. And so many times we find today that churches are not good influences. They show the wrong things. They model the wrong things. They're more of an entertainment center, more of a circus atmosphere than they are receiving the word of God and being a good influence on uh, other churches. Lead them the wrong way. You notice that the Thessalonians... We're actively spreading the word. It wasn't just passive. They were actually doing it with intentionality, which is something that we all ought to do. And they had a, uh, I guess we would call it a spiritual reputation. They weren't known just simply for the things that they did. It's good to feed the hungry, but that's not all they were known for. It's good that People get together and have fellowship in the church, but that's not all they were known for. They were known for being the people of God, for being salt and light in a dark and a rotten world, which is what we are called to do. Now, the problem is you can have a church like that or a church that at least is perceived like that and it can blow up in your face. Some of you have been around long enough that you remember 20 years ago when that happened to us. And so how is it that Paul, as he writes to this church that is so good, so solid, so strong, but at the same time, remember, they're very immature. They're new believers. They're easily uh, persuaded and they could easily stray. And so Paul writes this letter because he has a concern about them so how do they stay this kind of church in chapter 5 that Paul said they were in chapter 1 well there's a word in here for us so let's read it first Thessalonians 5 12 through 15 this is what we're going to look at today so if you're ready to receive the word of God could I hear you say an amen and we urge you brethren so written to Christians to recognize or appreciate those who labor among you, okay? Notice it's not just about the pastor or anything like that. Those, plural, who labor among you. There's a lot of you 
And we have a lot of volunteers in this church. We have a lot of people who always are stepping up and doing something that has never been a problem in our church, at least a big problem. You guys have always been ready to go to work, always been ready to serve, always been ready to help. And so the Bible says that is to be recognized. I'm doing that. That is supposed to be appreciated. I am thanking you for it. But this is supposed to be something that we all think and feel. I want you to think about those people who are watching your kids in the nursery. I want you to think about those people who are helping your kids instead of just sitting in here and coloring and being bored They're learning something in children's church. And they have to give up in order to be back there in the nursery or in children's church. I want you to think about those people that teach our children in Sunday school. I want you to think about people that run the sound and the live stream. I want you to think about all of the people that rehearse every week. I I mean, we could go on and on and on. Not to mention, how many times whenever tragedy strikes... Whether it's in the community, like a tornado or something like that. Or the other day, we uh, were able to take food to children at Roosevelt Middle School. And we were able to feed hungry people. People are always willing to do that. You give to those kind of projects. Think about all the people that were involved in Mission 405. Going way back, how many people did we have that were involved in Upward Basketball? When we were having all of those kids come in here and uh, do that. It's amazing how many people in our church are not afraid to get their hands dirty. They're willing to go to work. They're willing to serve. And I just want to say, as your pastor, and on behalf of all of your fellow church members, thank you. You are a blessing to all of us. And you're a good example Because those of us who do not have the gift of mercy and do not have the gift of service, these kind of things sometimes just roam right over our heads. But so many of you do, and you put it into operation that people like me, we look around and we go, oh, look what they're doing. Oh, I could do that, and I could help. And all of a sudden, all of us get engaged because of your example. And you're the ones that help us be more faithful, more sensitive, more compassionate, and to follow the Spirit's leading. And I want to encourage you, keep on doing that. And if you're a shy, intimidated person, don't let that stop you. Just be who God made you to be and who God gifted you to be and do it. You don't have to make a lot of noise. You can be very quiet, but you will be an example and you will be a blessing of the Lord in our lives and to our people. And besides, you reap what you sow. One of these days, I promise you, you're not going to be the giver. You're going to be the receiver. You will have a death in your family. Tragedy will hit your life. You'll go through sickness. You may go through a financial reversal. You may be lonely. Your family may abandon you. Your marriage may break up. But the one thing I want you to know and the one thing I want us to really get and to feel is you're not alone because the Lord is with you and the Lord's family, the Lord's children, we are with you in all of those things that we do. And so with that being said, let's move on.
And think about that. And think about all the people <coughs> that have helped you and served you over time. And it said that we are to recognize these people. And that means we're to value them. It means we are to appreciate them. Those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. I want you to think about what did your Sunday school teacher do today? They were over you in the Lord and they admonished you. They warned you. They encouraged you. They strengthened you. If your class was like ours, we had a chance to share and to talk about those things because we were talking about real life and real life problems. Admonish you and are over you in the Lord. And, it says, to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Now notice those words. In love for their work's sake. The work of teaching the Word of God, preaching the Word of God, studying the Word of God is just too important to take for granted. And we ought to appreciate those people who pray and labor and study and work so that we might know the Word of God because that doesn't come by accident. And we are a blessed church because we have so many people that know and understand and can explain the Scripture. And it's a phenomenal, phenomenal thing. And so he says, <coughs> Be at peace among yourselves. Be at peace among yourselves. Why did he tag that on to the thing about the leaders? Because almost every time there's turmoil in the church, it circles <coughs> pardon me, around somebody who is a leader or perceived to be a leader. And if they're not loved and appreciated for their work's sake, their personality may be rotten, and yeah, they need to work on that, but that's not the issue. The issue is their work's sake. We are to appreciate that and value the teaching of the Word of God above everything else that we do. That's the call. And if we get our eyes off of that, well, we're in trouble. Look at verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, and be patient with all. It's a stretch for some of us, isn't it? Verse 15. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for yourselves and for all. Boy, we could use all of that and go back 20 years and say every one of those things were violated when our church split. And we could look at that and say, whenever people in the church start pursuing what is good for them, but they don't pursue what is good for the body, there's trouble. It always ends up in trouble. Same thing is true in your own family. Do you have a selfish family member? Do you have a selfish kid? Do you have that one person that always has to have it their way? And everybody else is miserable because of that. It all has to be about that one person. That happens in the family of God, doesn't it? And so Paul gives us a warning, and this is how the Lord builds his church. This is what has to happen for us to be that First Thessalonians 1 church, which is what I want us to be and what I pray for us to be. And number one would be this, 
an attitude of appreciation. I think whenever we get to the point to where we say, what have you done for me lately? I think everybody has at least some point in their life where they're disappointed, where maybe they were overlooked. Happens to all of us, doesn't it? Maybe they were betrayed or any number of things like that can happen. And trust me, it hurts. Sometimes we focus so much on that. <coughs> we don't see the good things. We don't see the righteous things. We don't see the helpful things. And we lose our spirit of gratefulness. And when we lose our spirit of gratefulness in the church, what we're really saying is, Lord, you're inadequate. Lord, you goofed. Lord, you didn't put the right people here. Sometimes we put too much emphasis on us. The church becomes like a corporation of people, and we are in the entertainment business. We have to give the people what they want, and we have to do all of these things instead of realizing we are to honor and to glorify the Lord. And we've got to keep our eyes on the right things. And so Paul tells us here we are to appreciate and recognize those who labor among us. Maybe they didn't do it in the most excellent way. Maybe that what they did, they made a, a, a wonderful attempt and they had a good motive about it, but they couldn't quite pull it off. And that may be because, well, maybe they don't quite have the talent that someone else has. Maybe they baked you a cake and it doesn't look like the cakes that come out of Johnny's, but that's not what you really ought to notice. What you ought to notice is the fact that they baked you a cake. They taught you. Maybe they're not the best teacher in the world. Maybe they're not the best speaker in the world. Maybe they have an introverted personality and you really wish they were more, you know, extroverted and all of that. Well, they are what they are. But they teach you and they pray for you and they love you and you ought to stop and appreciate that. And we could go on and on with that, couldn't we? There are so many things and so many people that ought not be taken for granted and it ought not be that the church turns into a critic's den on everything everyone else is doing because truth of the matter is you're probably not so hot yourself. Right? And we all have our flaws. We all have our failures. Or it could be, going back to the cake thing, maybe right now that cake looks and tastes kind of off, but they're learning and they're growing in what they're doing. And they may be a professional baker one of these days, and you'll be bragging about what they did for you. See, sometimes even in the work of the Lord, we're all at different stages. And you cannot expect a two-year-old to do what a 10-year-old does. And you don't expect a 10-year-old to do what a 20-year-old does. And you don't expect a 20-year-old to do what a 40 or 50-year-old does. We're growing and we're learning. And that's why he has to stress, be appreciative. Recognize them. Give them a pat on the back. Tell them you appreciate what they do every once in a while. And my goodness, Maybe if you see some inadequacies, help them. There's a novel idea. Don't just point fingers. Help them. You might be a big encouragement to them. 
<coughs> and a source of <coughs> growth, excuse me, uh, in all of this. So you notice that attitude of appreciation. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Just appreciate one another and appreciate what God has done for you or it all starts falling apart. Those are the cracks in the foundation. Number two, notice that there is an atmosphere of peace. Be at peace among yourselves. Uh, one writer wrote this. thought it was germane and interesting. He said, live at peace. It is impossible that the gospel of love should be preached in an atmosphere poisoned by hate. You know, when you get out of sorts, you know, when you start quarreling and fighting, you got problems. And that problem sometimes may not be seen by everyone, but it is felt by everyone. Oh my goodness, you can feel the tension. Have you ever gone over to a, another couple's house? And when you walked in the door, as soon as you walked in, you went, uh-oh. Something's not quite right. Did you know that happens in church as well? Visitors come in and they can feel whether we love one another or not. Whether we're genuine or not. They can feel it. They can sense it when it happens. And so Paul tells this church, this exemplary church... Appreciate those who work among you and then be at peace among yourselves. Quit griping. Quit destroying. Quit discouraging. Quit pointing out all of the negatives. Quit being so quick to criticize what somebody else does and be happy that they do it and lend a hand and help, teach, pray for them, encourage them. You'd be surprised how far... All of that would go. And again, you can't preach the gospel of peace in an atmosphere of turmoil and an atmosphere of hate. This stuff has got to be real <coughs> and it's got to be uh, genuine for all of us. The third thing that I noticed out of this is we have to have an approachable spirit. Did you notice where he said, warn the unruly and... Those kind of things. You know where the problem is in that? In 21st century America is? I've had any number of people over the years that left the church because they were warned. Because they were confronted. Now maybe the person who did that, maybe they didn't do it exactly the right way. And maybe they didn't really know how to do it. They were just trying to help. And people get offended, they get embarrassed, and then they leave. And they don't want to come back. We had a situation a few years ago where there was an elder, a guy that was serving as an elder, that the last words he said when he walked out of our building after a confrontation was, I will not be rebuked by the pastor. I want to ask you a question. What chance is there of spiritual growth if you're like that. You ever play sports? Did your coach ever rebuke you? What did he do that for? To make you better. You play an instrument? Did you ever have your band director or your instructor tell you that you're never going to take a trumpet and play an F natural by playing the second valve and playing F sharp? 
you got to push down the right valves. They confront you on that. Maybe the rhythm's wrong. Maybe you're in choir and you're not pronouncing a word right. And Brother Dale says, no, this is the way we say the word. What, what do we do? That's how we learn and that's how we grow. And Paul says that this has to be the atmosphere in the church. Not only that somebody would do this, because you got to love people enough to get involved in their business. But in the second thing, people have to receive it or all it does is tear everything up. So can I ask you a question? How well do you receive correction? How well do you receive a rebuke? I think that is one of the ways you can measure whether you're mature or not. You're, you're not a two-year-old two anymore. You're not a spiritual toddler. It's time to grow up. And when you grow up, you've got to take instruction. You've got to be able to take correction in all of this. And when we look at these uh, instructions that are given here, it says, now we exhort you, brethren. So it's not just the pastor's job or the Sunday school teacher's job. This is plural for the church. Warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, and uphold the weak. Now, two of those out of the three are pretty pleasant. Two out of the three are real affirming. Two out of the three are quite a blessing. But we can't leave out that one. Warning is always needed. That actually is the root of the word admonish. It means warn. It means to warn somebody. You're about to step off of the path. You're about to go into danger. You're about to head into darkness. You're about to... I mean, we've got to have the freedom to say that and to think that if somebody would do that in my life, well, they must care about me. People who don't care just leave you alone and let you drift. People that care, they get involved. When it says warn the unruly, some translations say warn the lazy. But actually, the word was originally used to describe, you ready for this? A soldier who has deserted. You know any deserters? You know any people that had a position in the church and they just quit? No word? No explanation? They never came to talk to anybody? They never said, I have a problem with this. How can we fix it? They never said anything like that at all. They just disappeared. You ever known any of them? I could name names. I won't. But they all of a sudden disappear. Supposed to be a friend. Supposed to be a supporter. Supposed to be a laborer in the church. Supposed to be a leader in the church. And all of a sudden, they won't return phone calls. They won't return emails. They won't return texts. Just poof, gone. This is what he's talking about. Why? It does great damage to the church and especially to young believers. I think that we are seeing on our southern border what it's like when nobody is doing their duty. And it kind of tickles me that Mayor Adams in New York City with 8 million people or whatever it is is all upset because we've got some <coughs> migrants Coming into the, excuse me, coming into the city <clears throat> and it's taxing all of our resources. How do you think Del Rio feels? How do you think El Paso feels? You know what I'm saying? 
And so we look at that and we see the anarchy and we see the hurt and we see the strain and we see the problems that come on. Well, the same thing is true in the church. Who's not praying? Who's not standing guard? Who's not teaching what they know? Who's not being a blessing? These kind of things hurt the church. And so if you're a soldier in the Lord and you're not fulfilling your duty, this is a warning to you. You need to get back involved in all of that. That's where you're going to find blessing and that's where you're really going to make a difference. Well, I don't like all of this. Well, you know, the soldiers are not asked what they like. What would you like to do? Have you ever heard anybody say that in the military? They assign you things and you fulfill your duty. And as you fulfill your duty and as you are commended, as you are noticed, and as you are recognized, then later you get put into places that you like a little bit better. But initially, you just do what you're told. You do what you're supposed to do. You do your duty. And Paul said we need to warn people like that because that is a dangerous thing to mess with God and to mess with God's people. But it's not just about warning and standing up to all of those kind of people and doing those things. There's comfort involved. That's the word encouragement. It's another name for the Holy Spirit, in fact. Comfort the faint-hearted. Some people are going through some things and they just can't stand it up anymore. You ever known any Christians like that? Some Christians don't want to live anymore. They're truly saved, but they don't want to live anymore. You could help them. You could encourage them. Instead of piling it on, be a help, comfort. Somebody's going through some things where it seems like just thing after thing after thing happens to them. And you know what a lot of people do? They pull away because they're afraid. Boy, that, that person might, might be cursed and it might come on me. And at a time when they need us, think of the book of Job and think of Job's friends. At a time when, they needed, when he needed them, all they did was condemn and pile on. Hey, we don't need that. There are some people here today that are weak. They are faint-hearted. They're about to give up. They just can't seem to take anymore. You know what? You could tell them, well, God's always with you, and then walk away from them. And it's probably not going to do a whole lot of good. But when you tell them God is with them, and so am I. God works through you to help these people that are so very discouraged. Don't give up on other people. Find a way. You say, well, they shut me out. Okay, there may not be anything you can do about that. But try. Please try. And find a way. And one of the things I can guarantee you, they cannot stop your prayers. Wherever they are, they may hang up on you on the phone, but they can't stop your prayers. They may walk away from you and not say a word to you and just snob you at the grocery store, but they can't stop your prayers. They may gossip about you and they may say rude things about you, but they can't stop your prayers. And we're the people that are supposed to be comforting the faint-hearted for whatever reason it is that they're faint-hearted. And then it says, uphold the weak. And the literal translation is, cling to the weak. And I want you to picture, 
If you were to jump out of an airplane skydiving, that probably the first time you do that, you're going with another person. And if I'm going tandem with another person, I don't skydive because, well, let me put it this way. I think I would like it if I could ever get out of the plane. Okay? Once the chute caught, I think I would like it. But there's another reason, too. I could imagine me, 63 years old, in tandem with this other person, and when we jump out of the plane, I grab them and say, Mommy! That'd be pretty embarrassing, wouldn't it? Especially if they're filming it and showing it, uh, you know, to everybody down on the ground. And yet, that is the picture. We are to cling to the weak. They're scared. This is a church that's under persecution. They don't understand what's going to happen. They're afraid. And they have this tendency to go and to hide. And when they go and they hide, they're in actually more danger than they would if they would stay with the body. Because as you know from watching nature documentaries, that wildebeest, when he gets away from the herd, he's in trouble. The lions are going to get him. And the same thing is true for people in our church. And we've got to get them. And we've got to rescue the perishing, as the old hymn says. And we've got to cling to them because they are weak. And they can't help it that they're weak. They just are what they are. It may be because of immaturity. It may be because of a spiritual illness that they have. It may be because they are wounded. A lot of people are wounded today. And they may not be wounded in the church, but they may have been wounded by their spouse. We don't need to let them go. They may be wounded by their family. We don't need to let them go. We're a family. We're a body. And so Paul says, do that. And so I encourage you, be involved in that and in other people's lives. Help them. But can I also say this? Flip the coin over. You've got to be willing to receive it if you're going to give it. If you're going to dish it out, you've got to be ready to take it. And so I'm not saying don't dish it out. I'm saying, hey, grow up and take it. There are people that will say things to you, suggest things to you, and they really do not intend to discourage you. They actually, they actually in their heart want to help you. It's really more about how you take it. And by the way, if you believe in the sovereignty of God, you have to take those rebukes as being brought about from the Lord for your good. For all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, them He also did predestinate to be what? Conformed to the image of of his son. I don't like being conformed to the image of Christ. It irritates me. It bugs me. It discourages me. It frustrates me. Because God <coughs> is taking a hammer and a chisel to my life and he's looking and he's saying, Well, that doesn't look like Jesus. Pow! I don't like that. Don't look spiritual at me. You don't either. Sometimes he comes up and there's a rough patch and a rough spot. And about the time I think, whoa, looking like the Lord, man, that's great. And then he goes, not quite, sandpaper. It burns 
It's irritating and it's frustrating. I don't like it. But you know what thing that I know for sure? When he's finished, I'm going to love it. And so are you. Because we're going to be like Jesus. So we've got to be willing to receive these things from the hand of God, respond to them properly, and be involved in others' lives because we care and because we want to fulfill what the Lord has said to us. Number four, we've got to have an active pursuit of excellence. I have been frustrated for decades. People will go to their house. It's always painted. The flower beds are always good. The carpet is fresh. Everything is wonderful. It smells good. Everything. But they sure don't care if the church is in ill repair or not. In fact, they'll call up and they'll say, Preacher, we got new furniture at the house. I've got this old couch here. I wonder if the church could use it. Isn't that something? For the glory of God, I'm going to give you my ratty, my ratty flea-infested, cat-hair-filled, faded, stained, stinky couch. For the glory of God, let's put it there. But you know the worst thing? I found that so many people, even when they teach Sunday school, it's haphazard. It's last minute. Not much thought in it. Not much preparation. No contact of absentees. No checking on people who may have a problem. Just, uh, I'll just teach whoever shows up. Whether it's one or whether it's two, I don't care much. I'll just do whatever comes along. Paul is saying here to the church, what you do, do with excellence. You wouldn't do that if you played on a softball team. You wouldn't do that if you were in a bowling league. You wouldn't do that if you were, what is it, they played out pickleball? <clears throat> you wouldn't do that on the job. Why is it that God gets our leftovers? Why is it that we say, Lord, I love you so much, I'm going to give you the five minutes that I didn't really want anyway. I've done everything else that I want to do. Got a little bit of time, I'll throw you a bone. Then we wonder why he doesn't bless. Everything is to be done with excellence in what we do. If we are going to serve somebody, we don't just go, well, nobody else is going to do it. I guess I ought to do it. No, you ought to repent of that. And you ought to say, Lord, thank you that I get to do it. Let me do it in the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God and show them the love of Christ through me today. It ought to be that everything we do has passion. It ought to be that everything that we do is done with excellence. And I know we can't do that all the time, but that ought to be the goal. Look at this. Don't render evil for evil to anyone. Boy, you got to be at your best. you got to be at your best to do that. But always pursue, look at this, what is good. Well, I, you know, most of us would do that. And then he qualifies it, both for yourselves, there's nothing wrong with that, and for all. How many times do we look at things and we say, I want to do this. Because it would bless me. Nothing wrong with that. I want to be blessed. I'm seeking blessing. But what if I also were to say, not only am I going to be blessed, but it's going to benefit the entire body of Christ. Because it's not, 
not just about me. It's not just about how I feel. It's not just about how people treat me. Oh boy, the Lord was despised and rejected. You can put up with a little bit of it. It means that we're loyal. It means that we are faithful. It means that we are always looking for opportunities to help and to minister. Boy, there are a lot of people that they will show you their areas of weakness. You'll see it in a hurry. You'll see their areas of of immaturity. And that's your opportunity not to gripe, but to pray. And maybe help. Maybe spend time with them. Maybe be an example to them. Maybe to confront them. Sometimes it does come to that. But all of these things work together so that we are doing what is good, what is right, what brings peace. We're getting along with each other. We're appreciating the people that have blessed our lives so much. And all of this is what makes a church, a church that God uses greatly, and a church that is, like the Thessalonian church, exemplary, to other people and exemplary in a good way. So I want to close the service today by asking you to think about these four things. How have you done on these four things? How have you been a blessing in these four things? Have you been AWOL? Have you been absentee? Have you ghosted us? Or are you that person that says, by the grace of God, I want all four of these things to be on my mind and other people to be blessed because of me. How well is our church doing? I think in some ways we do very, very well. I think there's some other things we need to step it up on. We need to overcome some things and overcome things in the past and say, this is a new day and God is with us just like he was with the people that were rebuilding the temple. It's time to do all of that. But we've got to have these things in our hearts so that they are the heart of the church. So I'm going to ask all of our members to come and join me here at the altar. And I want you to join with me in heartfelt, sincere prayer that God would take what was in the Thessalonian church and put it in our church for His glory and for His honor and that we might have great impact in our community all around us, in our metro area, in the state, even in our nation, and touching the uttermost parts of the world. I want you to come and join me, and let's pray for this together. Will you?